I'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the unceded traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Welcome back to the Bob Potty, guys. I hope you've all had a wonderful and educational week. Can you believe we're already at episode four? This means we're actually almost halfway through my very first series, given it's only a 10-part podcast. Um, Today, we're getting real and chatting about the raging wage gap. And not to show off, but to really question how anyone ever gets ahead here. And because I really just feel like the system here does not set you up for success. And look, there are definitely opportunities out here where you can live quite comfortably, but I'll be talking about the minimum wage and my own situation and comparing this to kind of what I've always known. Um, So before you come at me, just hear me out. Um, As you already know, when I came over to Canada, I was on a bit of a career break um, and I loved my job back home. I was working for a brand that I loved, whose values I aligned with, and so I felt like I was a true ambassador for this company, Um, plus I was earning enough to be able to own my own apartment. And I won't lie, I I didn't own the last apartment I lived in, but I was able to purchase one in my mid-20s on my own. Anyways, uh, I did know about the minimum wage here before making the trek, um, and I did know that I was going to be taking a pretty significant pay cut, especially because I would be working a pretty entry-level job, but I don't know why I thought that that would be enough or that would be sufficient to sustain me. So let me paint the picture for you all. Uh, So my job at the resort, so this was three years ago, as you guys already know, I did start my journey off in Osoyoos. Um, was paying me about $14.65 per hour. Yeah, that was the same as my salary at the ski lodge. Um, And I was working between 32 to 40 hours per week. And rent here on average, I'd say, cost about $900 to $1,200 for a room. Um, Sometimes not even including the bills. So that would be your gas, your electricity, your internet, everything on top of that was on top of that. So $900 to $1,200 for a room. Not an apartment. Um, this was for a room in a shared suite or a condo um, or even just a den downtown. And a den, um, what I've learned, is like a sunroom or the size of a walk-in wardrobe. And obviously rent was more if you lived on your own. So you guys do the math. Again, just to reiterate, the these jobs were pretty entry level. So like anyone who was working these jobs, regardless of how old you were, was making about $14.65 per hour. Anyway, um, what's more is that they don't have penalties here, which is wild to me. (laughs) Um, I think they actually refer to penalties here as premiums, which I will say makes a lot more sense um, than penalties. Um, But yeah, they, they don't always pay double for overtime and they don't have Saturday time and a half pay and they definitely do not have Sunday's double pay, which... When you're working as a guest services agent or a front desk uh, staff or personnel, you're usually working evenings and weekends, but without being compensated any more than someone working a normal nine to five, Monday to Friday. Um, So it was a tough time, guys. If I had not had enough savings to get me here, I don't think I would, yeah, I I would not have been able to, to make it, I reckon. Not to mention that like when you eat out, there's always that surprise tax plus tip culture to account for too. So yeah, it it was real rough. 
after Christmas, I actually was struggling a little bit to keep up and I couldn't find a good enough reason why milk was costing me $5 a litre. Is that normal? I, I actually can't remember. Um, so I ended up taking a job as a server. Now, I think if you guys remember from my last podcast, that's what they call a waitress or a waiter here. Um, and because of the tipping culture, guys, uh, I was actually able to get on by. It, it was a bit of an eye opener and I can see why a lot of people do it here. Even though I was making less than the legal minimum wage on paper. So from memory, I was making about $12 per hour. Um, yeah, even less than $14. Uh, I was taking home a couple hundred dollars on top of that each shift. Um, and if it was a Friday or a Saturday or just a really good lunch rush where guests were paying with company cards, um, I was taking home a pretty fat stack. The downside though was the, the instability. Um, sometimes you'd get called in and then get cut after only a couple of hours to save labor costs. And for those in Melbourne, I, I was never a waitress, so I don't know if this happens in the industry there as well. Um, but basically here, you are told a start time and never an end time, and how busy the restaurant was determined when you'd be able to go home. So most days of the week, I was serving, um, but I still covered a couple of shifts at the ski lodge because really, that's what I'd come to Canada for. When... While I don't necessarily agree with the tip culture, I am thankful for it for getting me by. But also, why not just pay staff a livable wage to begin with? Um, not just in this industry, but across the board. Anyways, with this second job, I could finally afford to live a little again. Um, but it still wasn't enough to cover everything, because everything is generally a little more pricey over here. Like laser hair removal, for example. After seeing the prices here, Melbourne, you're done good. <laughs> it is so spenny here that I could just not bring myself to do it. $300 just to top up and maintain my legs. Like, to me, it was such a common procedure. And honestly, I can't remember paying more than $99 for everything from the waist down in years. Uh, I think I'd just been spoiled for so long. And it was things like this. Um, that didn't help when it came to wanting to stick around for the long haul, you know? Like, could I really do this for two years? I, I gave up getting my nails done and my lashes done too because service prices here are ludicrous. Plus, I'd feel so guilty if I didn't leave at least a 20% tip. And Russian volumes at a credible place would cost me around $220 plus tax plus tip. So again, you guys can do the math. Um, so, it was March 2020 at this point, guys. No one saw it coming. COVID! <laughs> I'm not going to go into the pandemic today, but obviously, March 2020 was basically when the world stopped spinning for a sec. Um, we were all in lockdown or all in ISO, and the mountains had closed, restaurants had closed, retail businesses had closed. God, I can't even believe that was two years ago now. But yeah, I remember that weekend so well because I was temporarily laid off from both of my jobs. So at the ski lodge, I was laid off and at the restaurant, um, I was serving at two, which meant absolutely no income for me, which also meant potentially having to go home. And which I almost did. I, I went out that weekend and I, I bought a suitcase in actual panic mode. 
Um, and because most of my friends from the ski lodge had purchased their tickets back to Brizzy, back to Melbourne, Sydney, and Christchurch and London, like everyone was fleeing. But me and my housemate Christian, thankfully, we both decided to stick around. And we were actually lucky enough to be eligible for a stimulus package that the Canadian government was issuing for those whose incomes had been impacted by the pandemic. And I mean, it wasn't much, but it, it covered rent and mo most importantly, bought us time. Um, I did, however, start looking for jobs just in case. Um, and this time round, it was tough. Um, I'm not sure if my resume just isn't impressive enough over here, but to be honest, I was struggling to even find admin jobs. Um, and being a HR professional, you think it wouldn't be that hard, but really it was. And the recruitment here, the recruitment process here is so brutal too. It's so lengthy and unnecessarily complicated with hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. I think I was just lucky enough to land an entry-level role during the pandemic that allowed for a work-from-home situation. Um, but here is what I learned. So even with this salary job, um, I was still actually earning less than the amount, the minimum amount required when you have to start paying off your hex debt. I know, right? Uh, I was technically, or I could technically make more as a server in the grand scheme of things um, because of the tip culture. Um, most companies here only allow for two weeks, sometimes three weeks of annual leave or vacation as they call it here. Um, but I was lucky enough to have found a government job that provided four weeks actually, so that was nice. Um, I also learned that sick days were not always part of the package. Well, at least not back then. Only recently did BC actually come out with a five-day sick leave policy. Um, and I think that was really kicked into gear by COVID. But still, it's, it's still just five days and it doesn't accrue either. So like the longer you work, you don't accrue more sick leave. So like what do you do when you've used up the five throughout the year? They don't endorse wellness days or like personal days here like I haven't like thankfully I haven't had to take a sick day or a personal day but I fear the day that I do have to take one of them for my own well-being and having like and an, my or my employer docking my pay like I don't know I will say though guys the appeal of working a salary job here are the benefits um things like extended health and dental which is kind of like uh, what subsidizes your costs or even covers all of your costs depending on the company of your medical and dental bills um, this this benefit or this perk I actually like um, because I remember actually needing to go to see a doctor when I first got here and I was charged about $150 for a consult um, that's bloody wild guys I don't think I've ever paid for a doctor's visit in my life I never understood what our Medicare cards did <laughs> Um, or what they were for, um, or I never understood bulk billing, but I'm so thankful for having had it because $150 for a 10-minute consult was bloody brutal. Um, anyway, extended health and dental benefits are kind of like private health insurance, I guess, um, but you don't get the choice. Your workplace either pays it or it doesn't, and they select the provider and what you're entitled to as well. However, it is one of the, one of the perks <laughs> of um, a salary job here. And then I think the biggest difference for me when it comes to a salary package job here would be the super piece. Um, in lieu of our superannuation, 
companies here deduct an amount that goes into some kind of pension. Um, however, you can't see this amount as it grows and you don't have access to it at all. Believe me, I've tried to ask who, where, what, when can I see my contributions, but no dice. Um, so I'm actually thinking of contributing to my Australian super instead. I will say though that some companies have a benefit called RRSP matching. Um, and without getting into all the finer details, an RRSP is like a self-managed super. Um, so RRSP matching means that your company would match your contributions to a certain capped amount, of course, into uh, your self-managed super. Um, now, however much you contribute from your salary then leaves you with your taxable amount for the financial year, which means you actually get taxed at a lower bracket. But you can only access these funds <laughs> upon your retirement. Um, and that there are a couple more stipulations to it, but I don't want to get into more than that. So it was hard, guys. It was hard to wrap my head around all these differences, um, which weren't all bad, to be honest, um, but they were new to me, so I'd still call it a culture shock. It's hard for me to sometimes accept a lot of these differences, um, and they really do act as reminders for me that we are the lucky country. Australia, you have got it good. I felt like I basically went from Prada to Nada. I went in reverse, and look, uh, I wasn't wealthy in my previous life by any means, but I definitely didn't take any steps forward in terms of my career when I came to Canada. And it was quite discouraging for a couple of years. I, I knew that I was worth more and that I could do more and that I was smart enough to progress further than how far I'd come. Um, but yeah, again, living and working here is challenging, guys. I, I remember one job interview I had back in 2020 before the pandemic actually as like as I was planning to, to work in a corporate role in support of my PR application um, this interview was located out in East Hastings and I had no clue what East Hastings was so out I venture all dressed up and ready for this interview it was for a HR generalist type role and let me tell you right now that walking down East Hastings was something else I I feel like I might have been warned of this at some point, but honestly, it didn't come to me at the time. Anyway, East Hastings, guys, for those of you who don't know, um, it's unfortunately where a lot of the homeless population in Vancouver congregate, um, and it's quite confronting because there's a lot of them, and you see it. You see people, like, you see people shooting up, and you see and hear of situations going south, and... There are heaps of tents set up along the road um, that, and it stretches quite far. Anyway, the office I'd interviewed for was located near East Hastings, um, which made a lot of sense because it was for a housing community um, and it was for a part-time hourly role, guys, it, which meant um, all the benefits that I've just explained weren't actually part of the package except for the automatic deduction for your pension. Um, kind of like how your super is kind of automatically like put away. Anyway, it was um, an hourly role, kind of like a casual employee for those in Melbourne, um, paying better than your minimum wage at least. Um, but this included like a 4% payout already to cover two weeks of time off pro rata. Um, and I remember the hiring manager asking me only two questions. 
how did I feel about walking down East Hastings? Um, and then how long was my visa open for? I didn't get the job. So I continued serving until the pandemic hit. And even when things began reopening and I was working a nine to five office job from home, thank you pandemic for proving that we didn't have to be in an office to get our jobs done. Um, I was still serving some evenings. Uh, for me, it was a great little side hustle, if you will, and an outlet or a means to make some friends in Vancouver. After being locked down and having most of my colleagues from the ski lodge flee, it was even harder to connect with new people. Making friends as an adult is hard, guys. <laughs> Chuck in being a foreigner and the pandemic to the mix, and it's almost impossible. So I stuck it out serving for a little bit longer, meaning I worked my 9 to 5 Monday to Friday, and then I would do a 9 p.m. to 2 or 3 a.m., maybe three to four times a week. And safe to say, I was barely sleeping between the two jobs at this point. Um, but it was one way to make friends during the pandemic. And to be honest, the extra cash in my pocket was kind of always nice to have. Anyways, so Christian and I actually lived in North Vancouver, um, which is a sea bus ride across to downtown. Also accessible by car and public transport over the bridge, but I, I needed to be by the beach. And having done some exploring on my own over the next few months, I knew I wanted to be in this neighborhood called Kitsilano. Um, so picture this, guys. The Kitsilano neighborhood is known for being so close to the beach. And even though the beaches here aren't quite the soft sand type beaches that I'd been spoiled with, I still felt the calling to live here. It's riddled with beautiful beaches like Jericho and Spanish Banks and Kitsilano Beach itself, of course. And I tried to convince Christian to move out that way with me, but he'd actually found a really good job, um, which I think I might have mentioned in a previous episode. Um, so managing, he manages a cafe in North Vancouver, so it only made sense for him to stick around. Me, on the other hand, I decide to close this chapter because I was ready to write my next one in Kitsilano. And that coming summer after surviving, surviving the pandemic together, um, I parted ways with one of the very first friends I'd made in Vancouver to tackle my next city. Um, with this move, I, I really also wanted to knuckle down and find myself in a better position, financially speaking, that is, as the nine to five, then nine to three situation was definitely taking its toll. My current nine to five was not really where I wanted to be either because I wanted to stay here long term. Um, and because I wanted to stay here long term, I was determined to put myself in a, in a position where I was actually valued. Um, I was personally engaged and I was progressing professionally as well. Um, Plus, I wanted to be compensated fairly to, to fund my new Vancouver life. Um, it was time to get serious about my future in Canada. And I also needed to not have to serve to supplement my wage because I needed to sleep again. <laughs> it was a long road, guys, but I will share that with my PR coming through, um, also came a great job. So I'll, I'll definitely share that with in, in an upcoming episode. But I think that's all we have time for this week. Um, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in again to my mini series. And I hope to see you all again next week. Um, remember to be kind to each other. I'll see you next Tuesday. Find me at the Bob Potty on all socials. Otherwise, ciao for now. Mwah. The awesome.
Sanctified.